Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Eva. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Club book number 33, Claudia and the Great Search. Uh, we were originally going to discuss uh, number 32, Christy and the Secret of Susan, but we kind of hated it. Uh, we did not like the way autism was discussed. We also felt we weren't really best placed to have a thoughtful discussion of it and it would not have been an enjoyable episode for anyone. So we skipped it. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, did you guys read Claudia and the Great Search before when you were kids? Yes, I did. Definitely. I thought I hadn't. And then I reread this and I was like, no, I have 110% read this book. So I reckon I probably read it in someone else's house. I never owned it. So I never mm-hmm. ended up with the one read. Uh, Karen, what did you remember before? Uh, so I mainly remembered the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, the I, I kind of had an impression that the uh, the quiches were really terrible in the ending. Um, they're they're less terrible than, than I remembered, but bits of it were uh, really stood out to me at the time and sort of stayed with me. Um, there's one particular quote from the quiches that I'm going to have a lot of thoughts about. Um, <laughs> but also, funnily enough, there was a there's a scene where just randomly Claudia goes on the uh, school bus with Christy, um, and there's a food fight going on, uh, which apparently happens all the time, and um, there's a bit where. Uh, <laughs> Claudia's like, how do you how do you manage how do you do, deal with this? And Christie's is like, oh, you get used to it as a pickle flies over her head. I love the flying pickle. <laughs> yes, and she's just she's super chill about it. She doesn't even notice the pickles anymore. Um, although I suppose Christie has form for really liking to wear food. Allegedly. Oh no! So maybe yes. this is just her happy place. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, there's oh, some Bologna. <laughs> I'm with my people. <laughs> And Aoife, I know you remembered a lot because you've talked about this before. Well, the thing is, I didn't know I remembered anything from this book. And then as I read it, I was just like, oh, no, I actually do recognize the the, the broad outlines of the storyline. I think I was a lot less sympathetic to Claudia when I was 13 or 14, because if I read this, I would have been too old for them. But I was still wanted to know, you know, still wanted to read it. So I definitely was less sympathetic to Claudia when I was the same age as her than than I am now. And I definitely, this is the book where I got the thing where I remembered that Emily Michelle would wake in the night yelling meh, meh, and which is mm-hmm. the names for like mom and that it's pronounced like met without a T. Mm. Like, trust me to remember the... Linguistics content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that as well. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realise it was this book. Yeah, I had never read this book before at all. So this yeah. was all brand new to me. Well, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Like, I thought it was really good. It mm-hmm. was like real, kind of a real, there's been some duds recently, but this was a return to form, I thought. Yeah, mm. I thought it was good. Um, I really liked the writing in it. Um, Aoife, do you want to give us our one sentence summary? Oh, no, wait, first we do cover art. Let's talk about this cover art. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, which one will we talk about first? Uh, we can briefly acknowledge the uh, American cover, which is fine. It's, it's, it's fine. It's got Claudia working with em- Emily Michelle on the cover. They're having fun. They look like recognisable human girls. Everything's grand. Let's talk about the British cover. (laughs) I mean, in its favour, Claudia definitely looks like a recognisable human girl. Mm -hmm. Got that going for her. I would not have assumed she was Japanese based on the cover. No, no. At all. (laughs) Definitely not. No. What her extremely sulky expression is... Like, looks like human face, so there's that. There is that. 
the expression is delightful. It just doesn't really fit with anybody that we are familiar with their general appearance of in the in the books. She just seems to have a lot of orange fake tan on. Yeah. Like Yeah. They they at least didn't do the let's just not colour her in at all thing, but they have not really gone for like a natural skin tone that a person has. That I mean that comes out of a bottle. I have to wonder, was this cover artist using like a set of models and just there was nobody who looked like they were Japanese or East Asian or any in that group at all and the artist was sort of just like forced to try to fill in the gaps using their imagination and did a real bad job. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Even in the 80s, I'm sure you could find pictures of people who are Japanese. I mean, you'd think, and yet... I'm sure you could. I think they just didn't try very hard. (laughs) Like, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think this happened with this book series. (laughs) I think a picture of an Asian person could be obtained, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm just... I keep flicking backwards and forwards between this and the American cover. I'm fairly sure I had the American cover, and like, I'm... Yeah... It's so much better, though. Like so it's, much it's better. Just and also, I'm like, oh my god, Emily Michelle is so cute in this picture. She um, is. And th- it also looks like there were two models who posed for this, <laughs> and the artist then used that as a reference and came up with something that looks incredibly like yeah, a portrait of two real people. I think so. Like, oh my god, it's it's full of life. There's things happening in the picture. The people in the mm-hmm. picture are experiencing emotions. British Claudia has a bad headache. And American Claudia is yeah. also the same American Claudia as in other book covers. Yes. Um, which is yes. just, that's a level of attention to detail that they definitely didn't have the budget for in the UK. No. British covers do do sometimes have the same, like, I mean, I could, I, I recognise mm-hmm. the Marianne face, the Christie face. Yeah. This Christie face person looks about 40. Uh, a lot of the time, this is just like, I've never seen this girl before. With her medium bre- medium to dark brown hair, like and, and a giant scrunchie. They, they, a, there's yeah. more work in the scrunchie than in most of the rest of the composition. Yeah. It's just like I mean I don't know who she is. It's not Claudia. That's fun, you know. She does have one wasted leg though, <laughs> from her being in a cast. Her <laughs> legs are clearly different sizes. I don't think that's on purpose, <laughs> but it's kind of like charitable of you to say that this is for continuity. I'm, <laughs> I'm that's reaching. impressive attention to detail for the cover artist to move on. And definitely not that they couldn't draw two legs the same size. I also like nicely, like like, like reasonable human facial expression as she has. Like it's also, I think she's supposed to look thoughtful and sad, but she just looks kind of, yeah, like she has a headache or sulky. Yeah. Yeah. She looks disgusted. She looks like absolutely, I cannot believe you just... There's there's an awful picture of Emma Watson who's just been handed something really gross to sign by a fan and she has that face. Like, that's what this this vibes. Like, um, this is the face that you give to somebody when you know you can't get away with breaking their nose. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like she should have Emma Watson should have actually gone for the nose breaking and just kind of you know <laughs> let it stand as a warning under the circumstances. But um, but this lady, I, we don't know what the provocation is because it doesn't really fit with the narrative that we get from the book. <laughs> no, uh, another British cover in the fine tradition of the British covers. Mm-hmm. 
If they were good, we'd be very sad. We'd be really upset, yeah. <laughs> well, we just wouldn't do this bit. <laughs> I mean, we've occasionally been like, I mean, they're fine. They look like people. Well done. You did it this time. And move on. <laughs> Um, Aoife, do you want to give us a one-sentence summary of this? Yeah. Um, Claudia doesn't fit in with her family, so she thinks she might have been adopted. Turns out she wasn't. Mm -hmm. Excellent. (laughs) There we go. This is the book in which that happens. So succinct. (laughs) I mean, it's all about the journey, really. Yeah. (laughs) We start off with her in the classroom, waiting for her science class to end, and... She's kind of thinking to us about all the things that annoy her about science class. And straight up, I really enjoyed this. So she's telling us that science is too hard and she can't wrap her head around all of it. And then she lists off all the technical terminology that she can't get her head around. Cell and nucleus, species and phylum and genus, RNA and DNA and who knows what else. Um, it sounds like she's learned quite a lot of vocabulary in this class, actually. I don't think it counts <laughs> if you're not sure what it means, though. Yeah, but a lot of people wouldn't remember phylum. Like, No, I was impressed by that, to be fair. It's a good pull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she also complains that you do the same experiments year after year in science class, and they're not really experiments because the teacher knows what the outcome is going to be. And I felt exactly the same way when we started secondary <laughs> school science. I was disgusted. I was like, but this is boiling water. We all know what's going to happen. How is it? This isn't an experiment at all. Yes. <laughs> so I really related to that. I think everyone felt really betrayed by school science and how like actually non-experimental the experiments were. Yeah. Especially at first. It was a bit better later on when maybe you as an individual weren't sure exactly what was going to happen. But actually, when I think about it, I think I spent two years basically constantly mixing acids and bases. Like that was all we did. (laughs) Oh, it went fizzy. So. Surprise. We had to measure things and do titers and and I always ended up with the leaky burette, so none of my measurements were ever accurate. <laughs> oh. Our science teacher in Hong Kong, at least, um, they he set up a thing where um, it was like he set up a an experiment TM where there was like a um, you added something to something else, and there was a sudden fountain of purple water splooshed Ooh. upwards into an upturned like. A spherical flask and we were all like ooh that's so cool he's like yeah I like to do this to kind of get people jazzed up about science that's awesome. and then it's like okay we're gonna we're gonna learn how to do um like flow charts now yeah <laughs> and sorry it's not gonna get any more exciting than this <laughs> for at least until GCSE level but I know. think our first experiment was displacing liquids in the beaker <laughs> that had a little teapot spout in the side of it and I have never been so disappointed in my life I was like Oh, great. 10 mils of water came out the side. I can't believe I have to write a report about this. This is gutting. That's fair. <laughs> One of the interesting things in our um, school in Dublin was that the um, science materials were, some of them anyway, were fucking ancient. They came in like, um, they're like these glass kits for things like distillation in cardboard boxes that were f- like full of graffiti from former students, much of which was dated like fucking 1967. Nice. Do you remember this? I had to, I was like, is this real though? Like, <laughs> is, or are people just putting fake dates on it? Um, but I kind of believed that it had been there since the 60s. <laughs> the, the equipment all looked like props from Look Around You, basically. Everything looked extremely vintage. <laughs> the best thing about our science labs was that there was a taxidermied badger in the corner with a cigarette in his mouth. That nice. was 
the aesthetic high point. I think the cigarette had been added by a student and just not noticed by a teacher for a very long time. Um, I don't think it was originally meant to be there. No, the, the cigarette was not original, but I'll, also I think if I was the teacher, I would make it my business not to notice there was a cigarette in the badger's mouth. <laughs> Damn right. There was also a skull, like an actual skull, like a human skull. Very blackened looking. Yeah, I remember it. The home ec teacher brought it in to show us. I thought it was just like resident in the science lab. I think she just borrowed it from the science lab or she turned up with a skull one day. I don't know where she got it from. I assume it was the same skull from the science lab, but I don't know how many <laughs> skulls are school owned. Our school had no skulls or badgers. I'm so sorry. My German teacher had a skull in her house, like other than the ones inside her and her family's heads. <laughs> An extra skull. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a family heirloom. Nice. She had some sort of ancestor who had been a medical student back when that involved paying grave robbers. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, that was her story anyway. Oh. She used it to teach the dative somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I might have paid attention if they used skulls as props. Look, some prepositions always <laughs> take the dative. When she made her worksheets for us, she always drew a little skull on it to warn us that these prepositions take the datum, so watch out for them. So naturally, when we had our class on, watch out, these prepositions take the datum, she slapped a human skull to center of the table. And I don't remember those prepositions now, but at the time I did. Uh, so it worked. That's amazing. Yeah, that's the problem with using a gimmick to teach because people remember the gimmick. I've learned this through many years of teaching <laughs> that I don't remember the thing. Her other trick was everything was colour-coded with highlighters. That's so much less fun. Yeah. 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 But th those were the two. The human skull and highlighters. Normalise skulls in pedagogy. Uh, yeah. Or, or not, because <laughs> for various reasons, but um, apparently it is, it, so in the States anyway, it is not really legal to own human remains at all. Um, but there are dealers who sell them and they all are like, oh, it's for educational purposes. And I think they're alleging that it's for like anatomy and stuff, but um, maybe they were thinking of German. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a grammar school. Yeah. You know, a grammar school. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very, it's very grey area-ish um, as to like the, the <laughs> provenance, ethics and legal <laughs> scenarios involved with owning human remains. Um, I wasn't going to call the guards on her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you weren't. <laughs> the guards probably are like, I really don't want to have to deal with this. Here. Yeah. <laughs> it's an administrative headache for everyone. <laughs> headache. Sorry. <laughs> Would you want me to just discuss this book? Okay, yes, let's discuss this book. All right, so Claudia expositions to us that Janine is smart and she's not, but she's real good at art, but nobody cares. Uh, Janine's IQ has been scaled back to something more realistic. It's no longer 196, which as we <laughs> previously established was off the charts of anyone who's ever lived. It's now just something vague over 150. Claudia is not looking forward to another week of amoebas and paramecia and other biological things. I'm telling you, she is crushing this science vocab and she's not giving herself any credit for it. I've never even heard of paramecia before, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. And she got the plural right and everything. So Janine is getting some bullshit award for being the best in science and Claudia has to like leave school early and go to an award ceremony at the high school and they have like reserved seats and everyone is making a frankly deranged amount of fuss over this and I say this as someone who would have like been absolutely insufferably smug about getting a science award at school uh, <laughs> like they need to chill a bit it's like it's a 
it's an award given by the school to its own students. It's yeah. not like you're being awarded it by an external body and then having the school be all like, yeah, that's one of our students, bitches. Yeah. Um, it's it's just like their own honours uh, ceremony. We had one of those in our school and like nobody's parents and aunt and uncle took the day off to come and, <laughs> to come and watch. Oh my it. God, you would die. <laughs> that's the thing. I kind of understand maybe Claudia and her parents, but like Rose and Peaches came. Yes. <laughs> Russ and Peaches had a day off and no idea how to spend it. <laughs> like, yeah, woo, let's let's go. And like, it's not like they're going out for dinner afterwards. Um, yeah. Because like, Janine fucks off to hang out with her friends, uh, which is actually fair enough. But it's not like a big family event. Yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, like American, like Americans don't get a lot of annual leave. Like they don't have statutory annual leave. What the hell? <laughs> yes. So it, it's it's a really big deal. They took time off for this bullshit also the stony brook news is there to take pictures yeah they're short of angry pigs going hog wild this week that's the thing nothing happens in stony brook they have to go they have to go to everything they're they're obliged to look the thing all independence once came to my class when i was in second or third class and interviewed us all about our favorite subjects and that got printed (laughs) so local newspapers that is completely normal that of course they're going to this ceremony that part's very believable. Um, can I talk about Peaches for a second? I think this is the first time we've been introduced to Claudia's Aunt Peaches. Yeah. I'm just going to say that here, um, the name Peaches is attributed to some kind of Mary Jape come up with by her uncle Russ, who is like loads of fun and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, oh, he, he calls my Aunt Peaches, even though that's not her real name. My mom and, and her sister both have Japanese names, but everyone calls her Peaches. Ha 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 ha. Like, okay, we have, we have Sharon Porter. We have Richard Spear. We have Elizabeth Thomas. We have Watson Brewer. Claudia's parents don't have first names. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, maybe Anna Martin doesn't know any Japanese names Japanese first names and maybe somebody has pointed out to her that for the name of the Japanese family she has picked like a terrifying World War II general <laughs> um, which is the, as she kind of went for the equivalent of like oh I have a German family let's call them Himmler that's grand <laughs> oh dear like, I was not aware of that yeah I felt I think the name no- Nobutsura Kishi or somebody I looked him up was like wow this is a scary guy oh boy <laughs> um, oh wow I don't know however this could be like it could be a very common surname but I mean if you think about it like it's the when these were written I mean now we can just be like look up Japanese names on the internet give me the 500 time, Japanese surnames <laughs> she would have had to ask around people who might know Japanese surnames probably yeah. it was someone who had studied history and was like uh Kishi yeah, that sounds good. That's easy to spell. <laughs> so so Claudia's aunt forever will be called by a westernized nickname. Yep. Cool. <laughs> we just we just deal with that, I guess. Yeah. At least she gets a name, unlike Claudia's mother. That's true. Yes. Who's just Claudia's mother? Yeah. Forever. She's just mom. <laughs> Claudia's mother, Kishi. Forever. I also notice in the awards ceremony there's a kid who got an award an award for outstanding leadership qualities. Which I'm pretty sure has to be which kid do the teachers like best? Yeah. Qualities. Like, I cannot think of a more bias-riddled award <laughs> that you could give. This is the kid you can dump admin tasks on and he won't complain. Oh, I assumed it was like somebody who's captain of a sports team and has good hair. 
Could be both. And maybe a rich dad. Like, that's what I picture. I'm pretty sure that, like, like in terms of trying to identify what leadership qualities are, TM, there is no good definition. There's no objective metric yeah. here. I also <laughs> think, though, that Christy is going to crush that award in a few years. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember how a few years ago, somebody on the internet opined um, that wouldn't it be great if we told um, young girls, instead of calling them bossy, we said they had leadership skills. Uh And everybody who had a bossy child was like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) like, no. Sometimes they're just bossy. Sometimes they're just bossy. And like, I have a, I have a six-year-old male child who has leadership skills. (laughs) I was arguing with him today about the whether or not he could like like insist that his younger brother played a very specific game with very specific rules that he had just made up with him and like oh my god how many hours of my life have i spent doing this just this last week so yeah i hope it translates to some kind of high paying job at the end <laughs> that's all i'm saying it had better so yeah at the at the award show, everyone makes big fuss about Janine and the teachers are like, oh my God, you're Janine's sister. We can't wait to teach you. And Claudia's like, oh, little do they know how different we are. I hate this. Um, then she speculates that when Janine goes off with her friends, they're going to go celebrate at the library, which is hilarious. <laughs> I also love the detail that the boys and the girls all have slide rules and protect- protractors in their pockets. Yeah, I have thoughts about the nerd clothes in this, but they can wait to the outfit section. Um. At the moment, though, everyone's accessorizing with geometry gear. <laughs> I actually cannot imagine going up to a kid, like a younger sibling of a kid who's academically very gifted, and being like, I assume you too will be identically academically gifted. I can't wait to teach you. Like, I actually cannot imagine a world where people don't realise that's a shit idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I bet it happens all the time, though. Like, I bet it does, but also, I don't know, like, by the time I was, like, 10, I knew that would be bad. Like, I don't <laughs> know why people would do this. To, like, it's so obvious that... Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I read this at the time and was like, oh, yeah, some teachers just are full of crap <laughs> like are used to standing up in front of a class and saying dumb things all day so oh, i presume they just i think i i just accepted a lot of what happened in these books as i guess that must happen in real life and yeah, yeah. you know i mean to be fair i i also do firmly believe that that does happen in real life i'm just appalled by it oh yeah it's it's terrible but the way that she specifically phrases it is um like you seem so different from your sister yeah don't say that your sister's great but you seem different didn't you have to accept an award at said aforementioned award ceremony wearing a pair of jeans that had bad girl on the ass while you were head girl? Karen, it's so much worse than that. <laughs> I was not wearing my bad girl jeans that day. I was wearing the other pair of jeans that said good girl on the ass. <laughs> seconds before my name was announced I realised what was going to happen and considered like requisitioning a top from the person next to me to tie around my waist but there wasn't time Um, so I just went up and did that and then even one of the teachers afterwards was like "Uh, yeah I see what you did there with your jeans it's pretty funny and I was like I I swear this was an accident I just put on whatever jeans were on my floor this morning I'm so sorry literally the whole school yes so uh, 
and it was written across your arse <laughs> in large gothic pink letters, <laughs> as was the style at the time. Ah, <laughs> oh, 2003. That's amazing. <laughs> I doubt anybody held it against you. I'm pretty sure several people specifically held it against me, actually. <laughs> That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I can I can objectively tell that it's very funny, but I'm also still genuinely very embarrassed about it. That's fair. I I would I'm be too sorry. if it had actually happened to me. It wasn't an anecdote I'm hearing like twenty years after the fact. <laughs> and the bad girl jeans were so much more flattering as well. I really, really <gasps> wished I'd worn those that day. Oh no. I thought they were kind of the same. No, the they had a different cut and I much preferred the bad girl ones. I wore them all the way to college. Nice. Nice. Okay, moving on from my embarrassing nerdy ass tribulations <laughs> of 2006. Oh no, 2003. Oh God. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not that much younger than me. No, no. Yeah, 2003. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, anyway. Um, oh yeah, I would like to say that actually the good girl jeans shortly afterwards met a violent demise because uh, our school traditionally ended uh sixth year with a water fight and I wore the jeans to the water fight and they shrank huh. from getting wet and they shrank so much that they had to be cut off me. So oh, no. so weird. Had you not washed them before? Yeah, but they shrank on me. Like normally, you know the way jeans are a bit tight out of the wash? Um when that happens on you, they they stick so much that they, you can't get out of them. Oh, right. Ah. Okay. Okay. So there's an expansion phase as well yes. that just didn't happen because they were form fitted. <laughs> yes. I would have had to wait for them to dry, which would have taken until the next day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, that's that's a lot more understandable now. And I'm just very not okay with having to be cut out of my jeans. And I, I like <laughs> those jeans I was actually not too sorry to lose. <laughs> what had just happened they were kind of emblematic yeah Yeah. (laughs) anyway back to claudia so just i i I was reading her inner monologue and i was like geez claudia like just so so much complaining in this chapter um like starting with the paramecium and then just like going through all the the like throwing shade at Janine's friends and all all that stuff but there's a bit at the end where she's going home in the car with her dad <clears throat> and she's like I didn't want him to see how bad I was feeling and I was like oh, okay because I had been reading it like this is a begrudgy younger sister mm-hmm. who is like just really pissed off about somebody else having something nice yeah um but but actually she's really holding it in yeah and you, you kind of because you're getting her voice don't necessarily like that doesn't fully come through and when it got to that but I was like oh okay actually I feel like properly bad for Claudia because it had been a very like negative voice yeah. <laughs> until that point also like she fully comes out and admits she's jealous yes yeah, like yeah. she's not even dressing it up as anything else she's like no I'm just actually jealous of like all this attention and praise um yeah and yeah, yeah it's very it's very um she's very open about it and she's very aware of how she's feeling about it and you know that she's thinking a lot of jerk thoughts on the inside yeah but she's she's like she's actually not trying to spoil janine's yeah. you know celebration um, yeah. which is which is good like then she goes to a club meeting uh she tells us all about everyone um everyone all her friends are great stacy has diabetes um we have Minor data on the location of Christie's dad, who is in California or something. 
I, I don't think she knows. I think she's just literally kind of come up with that. Logan Bruno is a, a boy. boy. <gasps> with exclamation an exclamation mark. mark. Um, <laughs> Dawn is thin. Yeah. Like, this is the first time I hear that mentioned and I'm like, okay. Okay. Do- <laughs> this is just... Okay, um, so Stacy, she says, is thin, but this is clearly in a context of she's a little bit worried about Stacy. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of foreshadowing in this book. So I was really confused by this because, um, like, there it's mentioned several times that Stacy isn't doing great health wise and, like, she's tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. a lot. Um, and I was like, gosh, we're coming up to that book. Um, which is Stacy's emergency, which I remember really well, where she goes to New York and has, like, um, she's she is quite unwell and winds up in hospital. And then I check, and that is 10 books from now. Yeah, and we've already been having this foreshadowing for several books. Like, this is the most built-up plot point ever. I like it. And it makes no sense because, um, well, yeah, okay, it's it's realistic, like, for the for somebody with a chronic illness. Um, but it she's actually, like, something is going wrong with her diabetes, and she has the most overprotective parents in the world. And they are actually checking in on her but they haven't noticed nobody has like sent her to get her blood sugar tested like her sent her to get her get her doctor to like have a give her like an mot because yeah she's just um she's quite unwell she and she's not being monitored closely enough yeah like and she's going to continue to be this sick for 10 books that's (laughs) so long that is a long time that's an excellent point maybe maybe that book got pushed back in the publishing schedule or something Mm, that might make sense actually well now I feel very superficial for my point from this chapter which is that (laughs) we actually get a token description of what California casual is ooh yes it involves loose clothes bright colours and trendy but not outrageous this is the most detail I think we ever get on what California casual is so I'm clinging to it it's very generic as well yes it is (laughs) (laughs) and it's all we're gonna get yeah yeah okay um, yeah, again, I love that, like, when Claudia is explaining Stacy Stacy's whole deal, she tells us in detail how what diabetes is and how it works, mm-hmm. uh, which most of the other babysitters don't go into that much detail. So, like, mm-hmm. I really like that we're being drip-fed, like, Claudia is not dumb and she actually knows quite a lot of stuff. She just is not mm. interested in school, per se, but, like, yeah, she knows what's going on and she's paying attention to everything that's going on. And, like, it's one of the things that I like about how this book is written. Like, you know, her whole thing is that she doesn't feel smart, but actually we see her behaving like a smart person throughout. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of um, goes into a little bit of detail about um, Jessie's situation as well. And the fact that um, Jessie's family have experienced quite a lot of racism since they moved to Stony Brook. um, Mm -hmm. And that, like, although it's improving, she actually says, sheesh, what's wrong with people? And I'm like, this is good. This is a good bit of outright condemnation, like of of like literally what the fuck is going on here <laughs> yeah. in in my fucking town, <laughs> um, which I don't think you actually get from many of the 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 books and the babysitters, especially not from like fucking Mallory, who's like, well, everybody has problems, <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. Why I'm not allowed to get my ears pierced? <laughs> it's like, yeah, Claudia's like, well, no. This is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, the others are at worst treated as kind of this is an irritating quirk that the townspeople had, uh, but they got over it or yeah. we decided not to talk about it. It's one of those anyway. <laughs> or this is an issue that we as a club need to decide what our stance is. Yeah. On, or like, you fucking condemn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's your stance. There you go. 
<laughs> yes. That that's a good spot. I like that. I, I, yeah, I think um Claudia is the other person of color in the club. Fancy that. <laughs> Perhaps not not irrelevantly. <laughs> yeah. Next chapter is exposition on how the club works. Um <laughs> nothing new there except um an acknowledgement that Stacy likes having money, even when it's club money, not her own, and she hates parting with it. But she does have to part with it. I laughed so much at this. But she's definitely skimming off the top by the sounds of it. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that Claudia's like description of Stacy, it it feels kind of almost like Claudia is doing a parodic version of her, which I love yes. as well. Like, oh, my best friend is so quirky. <laughs> but seriously, though, she's stealing money from the club. <laughs> yeah, it feels like Claudia is very much in on this joke with us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so at the meeting, Christy announces that um, Emily Michelle is having some delays, um, that her language is a bit delayed and her behavior mm -hmm. and kind of playing skills are a little bit delayed um nobody is worried about this except for christy mm -hmm. um everybody says it's fine this is quite normal uh she will catch up this is no big deal christy mm -hmm. has lost her shit yeah she's just really worried yeah, yeah. i i'm very much ah christy it'll be fine try not to stress don't put so much pressure on yourselves mm -hmm. and those around you and 50%, oh my god, Christy, you were loving the drama. You were manufacturing drama where there is no drama to be found. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. This is, this is not, there is not a crisis here. There is not an issue to be dealt with. No. Everything is totally fine. So they need a recurring babysitter for Emily Michelle. So Claudia is going to do it. And um, then Claudia, everybody leaves and Claudia sort of, lies in her room and thinks about her woes mm. she got a bad grade on her maths quiz and her leg hurts because it's going to rain uh, because we have leg break continuity in this one there's so much continuity in this book yes it's great it's like... great uh, then she makes an extremely elaborate salad for dinner uh, involving radish roses <laughs> uh, she says it's a culinary masterpiece and then tells us that she does know what culinary means thank you very much and everybody Aww. thinks it's a celebration salad for Janine being the smartest. And Claudia is justifiably pissed off because she just wanted to make a fun <laughs> salad. Yeah. Um, the Stony Brook news is really short. No, wait, sorry. The Stamford newspapers are really short of news. Because wow. they want to do a story about Janine called A Day in the Life of a Genius. The newspapers in Stanford desperately need to find out about the joys of angry pigs and <laughs> depressed truck drivers driving self crazy. Stanford is a real town. Mm -hmm. It presumably has actual events going on in it. I don't think it's like a small town either. Oh, I'm Googling Stanford population right now. It's just real boring, I guess. Yeah, find if there's like newspapers and if they make any mention of hogs. Well, there won't be any <laughs> newspapers now. It's 2022. <laughs> Just imagine paying actual physical money for an actual physical paper and they have a story about how this teenager from a small town is smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's the news today. I mean, I guess that might be why there are fewer <laughs> regional news other than, you know, rampant capitalism. <laughs> Good point. Maybe the death of print media was richly deserved. <laughs> 
As of the 2020 census, the population of Stamford is 135,470. Okay. So it's Galway-sized. Galway-smaller. It's like twice the size of Galway. Yeah, and Galway has a bunch of newspapers. And Galway has like three newspapers. So yeah. And do any of them have full stories about how some teen from Uchterard is real smart? They're free. I recycle them. (laughs) I used to use them as rabbit litter. Sometimes I use them to like put down on the worked up when I'm chopping vegetables to put the peels in. In fairness though, I picked up one of them on a bus when I was living in Galway once and I think I laughed all the way home at the cover story, which was something along the lines of un- unexpected demand for um, the shrine of St. Anthony um, results in massive tailback. <laughs> Just for some reason, there was a huge like um, traffic jam caused by like, like a run on the relics or something. Amazing. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we're a very long way from Stamford. <laughs> yes, we are. So Stamford has no news and no crack going on. So they're doing a expose on Janine's boring life. <laughs> it's she's not even like a grown-up genius. She's a school-aged genius. She's going to spend most of her day in school. Yeah, she doesn't even have like a tech startup that they can write about that's like actually newsworthy. <laughs> it's I it's know. just <laughs> well, not that we know of. Not that we know of. That's true. <laughs> I mean, we know she's sourcing regional snacks on the dark web, so maybe she's built that up into some sort of business. But She's there on ARPANET, just. <laughs> she's creating the dark web. It didn't exist before Janine got there. <laughs> yes. I don't know anything about the dark web. It, it couldn't have existed before the World, War, World Wide Web, which was, you know, Tim Berners-Lee in the 90s, so. Yeah, otherwise it would just have been like Probably a, wasn't a network. <laughs> she was definitely on the internet. Yeah. Like, we're we're yes. all pretty certain that she was on the internet. <laughs> She's on Lambda Moo in a textual hot tub flirting with some like 49-year-old guy in like <laughs> Palo Alto. Oh god. That's almost certainly exactly what's going on. <laughs> so, uh Claudia is fantasizing about how if she had won the science prize and got the $250 uh check, she would be mm. spending it all on esoteric fashions art supplies and snack food and Janine announces that she's going to put it towards college. Oh Janine. Their parents are depressingly pleased with this and Claudia (laughs) is disgusted. Not even an upgrade for her computer? Like come on Janine. I know. Live a little. I'm going to buy RAM. But yeah. Or at least some nice sticky notes for your grueling study schedule or something. Like it's just going to make such a small dent in your college fund yeah. that like wh- why don't you take that money and buy yourself a nice Bunsen burner or something you know <laughs> like yeah or like books books are a thing have you heard of books they're real fun and they cost a lot of money yeah it just it, it feels like the uh, I'm gonna put it towards college is like you know you don't have to make your parents more impressed with you they're already impressed with you you could spend it on drugs <laughs> well maybe not okay but you could spend it on ring dings and they'd probably be like oh okay dear <laughs> Whatever you want to do. Yeah. I absolutely love what happens next, which is that they got a celebration cake for Janine, but the bakery spelt her name wrong. (laughs) And Claudia's delighted by this. Yes. They got a cake wreck. (laughs) Yes, they got a cake wreck. And um, I was very happy for Claudia. Uh, (laughs) So she goes off to the den and hangs out and starts paging through the family photo albums. And she finds lots and lots of pictures of Janine as a baby. 
and then not that many pictures of herself as a baby. And she starts to get kind of suspicious. And then she thinks that she and Janine didn't look very alike and that she doesn't look very like her parents either. And that there aren't any pictures of her being born uh, like as a newborn at the hospital. Um, she wasn't looking for actual pictures of being born. <laughs> that would be <laughs> unsettling. Um, and then she goes looking in her dad's desk for her birth certificate and can't find it. Oh no, sorry. She goes looking for documents, non-specific documents. Mm. I think she's also looking for rolls of film that might be from her, like... Yes. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit of a reach. Like, yes, it like is. oh, maybe yeah. they just didn't get around to getting them developed, but maybe I'll find them labelled yeah. and identifiable. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, she Aww. does not find them. She does find a locked strongbox. And from there, she makes the greatest leap of all and decides she's definitely adopted. And the lockbox contains her adoption papers. Dun, dun, dun. She makes a lot of leaps. Yes, like, she does. Oh, yeah. In this whole thing. But yeah, that is the, the big one. And it's the one from which all further leaps <laughs> arise. Yes. Yeah. It's like assuming that QAnon is an actual high government source. <laughs> That's where all the other problems come from. Yeah. Well, let's hope that in this book, Claudia learns her lesson about making logical leaps and she won't go on to make more of them when she's... 45. Yeah. I, I, I believe in Claudia. <laughs> I don't think she's going to do that. No, I think she will probably outgrow this. She does speculate that maybe she was stolen from a hospital and her parents adopted her from a crooked lawyer and that actually they're incognito and on the lamb, <laughs> which I yes. love. I thought that was so good. Yeah. Definitely the first time I heard either of those terms, I was like, right, file those away. Yes. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> but... I'm kind of in for it, yeah. And then she goes, no, I've just been watching too many movies. <laughs> yes. I did love that, like, little bit of insight. It's like, mm, maybe this one is a shade too far. Yes. I've got, yeah, I've gone too far. <laughs> this is very much uh, ties into, Karen, what you said recently about the girls in these books are detecting real hard in a space that doesn't actually have any mysteries. Like, that is absolutely what Claudia is doing here. <laughs> yes. Um, Claudia goes off to the brewer house uh, to babysit um, David Michael, who yet again has a cold, and Emily Michelle. Uh, David Michael is, now that he's living that millionaire lifestyle, he has a portable TV on in his bedroom and a channel changer within a easy reach. Channel changer. Yes. I know. The remote control <laughs> had not become common parlance, I guess. I mean, I, I think it was common parlance by then. Like, this is. Like, yeah. bizarre that they're calling it a channel changer. I didn't know there was ever another word, yeah. Very <laughs> quaint. I knew, I, I think I, I knew some someone who got a fancy new television with a remote control and, like, by about this, about 1990, I knew it was called a remote control and I had seen one once. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it seemed shockingly informal to me when people started calling it the remote instead of the remote control. I was like, that sounds kind of degenerate. <laughs> and then one day I started calling it the remote too. And I was like, I guess Ooh. I'm just degenerate too. I guess this is my slide into delinquency. My favorite thing I ever what? heard anyone call it, because you know what people might call it the buttons or the clicker or whatever. I've never um, heard it called the buttons. That's adorable. The buttons, yeah, no, I thought that was a cute one. Um, it's always very much a household by household. My favorite thing was babysitting when I was about like 19 or 20. And the kid went, where's the moke? <laughs> sure for mo control mo control makes sense mo control mo 
Jeffrey calls it the marote. Oh, <laughs> no one is allowed to tell him otherwise. It's no. the marote control. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that is very cute. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Dave and Michael is happy out with his TV and his channel changer, and he's definitely moved on up in the world. Well, actually, he's being grumpy because he has man flu. Well, yes. Um, that he's he's really in a bad mood. <laughs> he is being kind of a dick, but you know, he's 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 unwell, I suppose. Meanwhile, uh, Claudia is uh, enjoying looking after Emily Michelle and taking mm-hmm. good care of her and consoling her when she gets afraid of the thunderstorm. And then she uh, gets a call from Stacy checking up on her. Mm-hmm. Stacy is being so nice. She's just like, oh yeah, that house is really scary in storms. Uh, so I just thought I'd call and see if you were okay. That's the most yeah. thoughtful thing I've ever seen anyone do. Like, that's so <laughs> yeah. nice. Um, so Claudia spills the beans and tells her that she's totally definitely adopted. Mm-hmm. And Stacy's like, really? Oh, Okay. Uh, better start doing some digging and look for your birth parents, I guess. Good thing you're not related to Janine. <laughs> Stacy is so supportive. She is. Like, yeah. She's nicer in books that she's not in. <laughs> she's yes. not the narrator of. Yeah. The re- yeah, she's the reverse of, sorry, yeah. Um, she's the reverse of Christy, who is like yeah. in- insufferable in other people's, in many other people's books. Yes. And mostly you can understand her motivations when she's the narrator. Yeah. But yeah, Stacy is being lovely here. And if she's thinking insufferable thoughts about how sophisticated she is we're not privy to them in this one (laughs) much the better for it (laughs) um subsequently dawn is babysitting emily michelle and Mm. this is so ridiculous so they're out in the garden and emily starts to put a pebble in her mouth and dawn goes to stop her and then thinks oh my god two-year-olds are supposed to be better than this basically i can't believe emily michelle did something so gauche as to nearly put a pebble in her mouth and then she decides that she's not up to the ridiculous uh, developmental level of Gabby Perkins' super kid. Oh, oh <laughs> no. my god. I have feelings about this this section. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, Christy having a bit of, a like, anxiety about Emily Michelle's um, developmental delay, which she has heard from her parents from their doctor yeah I, like that's fair because like a, a doctor has flagged it the doctor has still said you know this is understandable given you know um like the the stuff that she's been through already and she will grow out of it but it's something that we're going to keep an eye on and christy is like oh my god but what if but what <laughs> um but like dawn like <laughs> um and so i actually think i uh, like the perkins's Bless them, are a fucking family of Mary Sue's. <laughs> yeah, Nobody yeah. should be comparing themselves to um, the Perkins daughters, where we are about to find out in later on in the book that fucking seven-year-old Mariah can make chocolate chip cookies with no recipe. She just made it up herself. <laughs> Such yeah. bullshit. Nobody can improv cookies. Nonsense. She has reasons you don't do that, even if you're an experienced baker. Um, she like She wins competitions... Um and like the the younger sister then Gabby is playing for the softball team <laughs> yes uh, and she's two and a half and like I so I actually think that Gabby is um the really unrealistic portrayal yes. of a child of this age um and to be honest I I kind of scrutinized this these the sections with her in it very closely because when I started to think <laughs> I know you this have Perkins's right. opinions yeah <laughs> I do yeah. like I like the Perkinses but I wish they were more realistic yes um yes. and not being used as comparators for other children yes um so gabby in this 
I actually think is sounds much more like my almost four year old. Yeah, yeah. Like 100%. that's that's a good is like comparable level of like the kind of chat and the stuff that they do. Yeah. Gabby is not two and a half. Gabby is like coming up to four, and Mrs. Perkins and Mariah have lied. <laughs> <laughs> love it. That's it. She's lying about yeah. her age. I love it. And it's like also like I mean like think about two year olds you've met. There's it is not like this dawn's little list of things two-year-olds can do. Like, you know, Marnie and Gabby are talkers. It's like, yeah, okay, well, we know Emily Michelle's language is like, this isn't new. And even if she wasn't, lots of kids are a little slower to pick up language. What the hell? And apparently her art isn't good enough. And it's like, <laughs> like yeah. this is like both girls can put simple puzzles together. I'm don't think that's a universal two-year-old thing necessarily or to no. make recognisable. And their drawings are becoming identifiable. I couldn't draw identifiably till I was in school. No. No. Yeah. Like, yeah, Jeffrey is starting to draw identifiable people, but they still look very potato-y. Um, like, and I, that's fine. <laughs> I was in play school from the ages of three to four. And I remember being in play school and literally having no idea how to make marks on the paper that looked like a thing in real life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it would accidentally look like a thing in real life. (laughs) And then I'd be like, yeah, that's a man in a wheelchair or whatever. (laughs) But like... Okay, fair enough. I, you know, the the circles were in the right places, I guess. But like, I... I was unable to draw anything identifiable. Like, it's like, why Why would you assume two-year-olds can all draw thing, identifiable things? Yeah. Yes. Do jigsaws. What the hell? Like, this this like, is nonsense. Yeah. Also, there's a, so there's a really wide range. Yes. Like, really. I know there are, like, developmental milestones, but kids hit them at different there. times. Yeah. But something that I also, like, that makes me really kind of annoyed reading this mm-hmm. is, like, they're not taking into account that Emily Michelle is probably bilingual. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and that she, she clearly uses at least one Vietnamese word. Yeah. And, like, that's not, like, a language delay. But it does take you a little while to learn a new language, even if you're at that stage of learning. Yeah. Yeah. Her Vietnamese is probably completely on schedule. Yeah. And like, they probably have no fucking idea about her Vietnamese. No. They just, they just have, and they don't even mention that she is probably a Vietnamese speaker and she's acclimatizing to learning a new language Mm -hmm. and settling in with a new family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's yeah. almost like nobody did the homework on international adoption here whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I I don't think it's unfair to put in a scenario where a child who's been adopted is actually taking a while to adjust and is experiencing a developmental delay. Like that's completely fine. Um, but like Don does Don can just yeah. shut the hell up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don does no... not know anything about this and needs to stop. There's no context given for this, and al- also. Not putting crap from the ground in their mouth is not a developmental milestone mm. for any child. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they're going to do that. <laughs> they may be trolling you. <laughs> they, they may definitely be trolling you. Didn't your daughter used to, like, she'd toddle across the room and pick things out of the carpet and be like, uh, and you'd be like, shit. <laughs> she would very theatrically slowly put it towards her mouth, making sure that you were paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> what a troll yeah it was amazing <laughs> it was hilarious um, I also have a niece who tried to eat the spring out of a clicky pen and when it was taken away from her got so angry that she ran out to the front door and bashed her head against the front door from sheer rage until she was restrained um, she was about two at that time this is perfectly normal 
<laughs> toddlers are weird. There are forces of nature. Yes. Um, I think there's also a bit where Claudia is babysitting Emily Michelle, where she um, she can't go to sleep um on her own. So Claudia winds up rocking her to sleep in the rocker, and I'm like, that's lovely. And we don't normally see that. Yeah. Like yeah. most of the babysitters are of the school of like, oh, I put the baby in the cot and she went to sleep, which is just very <laughs> alien to my experience. Um, and I'm like, yeah, it's lovely to see a scene where they have to rock the baby to sleep. Because that is what you have to do in yes. my experience. And I have much older children. <laughs> There's a lot of like robo babies in Stony Brook who you like, just oh, put yeah. them down and they go to sleep just like that. And that is not standard. <laughs> She's like, oh, Emily Michelle is standing up in the cot and kind of laughing and talking to me. What will I do? Yeah. <laughs> is this is this new? <laughs> Sounds like a toddler, all right. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. Anne is not strong on child development in this book, like, mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. So, it's interesting because she does have this background in, um, like, uh, special needs education. Yeah. But... Clearly not with kids of this age. Yeah. 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 There's some other stuff that, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but, like, what to expect was definitely a thing. Like, she could have done some like, minor research. There were, there were books by this stage. There were definitely books. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Christy is continuing to fret. Um, Claudia decides that she's going to start uh, calling around adoption agencies to see if she can get any leads. Um, and I do like that, you know, we see her like figuring out how to do research and doing research. Um, mm-hmm. Again, she's making a lot of leaps, but she's also being quite methodical <laughs> about this. Like, yeah, she has a process. Yeah. So she calls an adoption agency called Love Bundles and claims that, says that she's looking for her birth parents and they're like, oh yeah, we have only been set up for five years, so we didn't adopt you. (laughs) They actually interrupt her and they're like, hold, whoa, you're 13. (laughs) I I have a feeling it was like, oh God, no, we we didn't expect to have to field any of these calls for a while yet. (laughs) yeah stop this lady in her tracks i'm sure it's like a very complicated scenario (laughs) yes i'm just the secretary please (laughs) i got nothing for you i'm sorry she um decides her next step is to go looking for her birth cert uh but their birth certs are kept in the safe deposit box at the bank which seems wildly extra to me but yeah um what the hell yeah Hmm. she she goes to the bank this is very feels very nancy drew she turns up to the bank and asks to see the family safe deposit box. Hmm. But it turns out you need a key for that. Uh, so she can't get in and she she dramatically says, Oh, silly me, I can't believe I forgot to bring the key. It's at home. <laughs> and then she like bottles it. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, Mr. Kishi has a first name. It's John. Yep. Oh, I find that out here. yes. My father is Mr. John Kishi. Okay, well, fair enough. I mean, like, it practically counts as not having a first name. It's like, like, oh no, I need to put a first name in here. My father is Mr. Laura Mipsum Kishi. Yeah. I need a Western name for just everyday life in America. What's a really generic one? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Go with John. They're not going to be able to pronounce my Japanese name. Either that or his parents were just like, we would like our child to fit in and assimilate. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Both of these are very, like... (laughs) Or, again... And couldn't be bothered finding out Japanese first names. That's all. I mean, I, yeah. I I think it's clear that Anne does not have an easy resource that she can go to to get Japanese names. No. Or she mm. would have 
used them, probably. If only New York had a big library she could have consulted. <laughs> a public one, perhaps. An iconic, world famous, never mind. Where would you find one of those things? I can't imagine. Um, I think, in f- just as a very small defense of this, I think it is established that um, Mimi and her. Mimi is from Japan originally, and her kids may have been born there, but like maybe John Kishi is Japanese American, like second generation. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, not fleshed out. I had thought that both of Claudia's parents were born in America. I think they are, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with naming him John. We're just yeah, no, like, no. like mm. I think it's an entirely plausible thing that would happen for like a Japanese person born in America to be going by John seems reasonable enough, mm-hmm. but it's just funny that she has not named any Japanese people. Yeah. I think John is also probably quite a it it it's quite a good um phonological structure for a Japanese speaker too. It's not like it's full of awkward consonant clusters or anything yeah. that like would be really <laughs> antithetical. Yeah. Um Karen is a good one like that as well. Most people can do um like a <laughs> it 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 works well with Chinese, I discovered. So so oh, that's nice. good. Mm. Actually yeah, if is pretty good for most languages. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you don't tell anyone how it's spelled. Yeah, just don't confuse it with the spelling and yeah. that's fine. That's fine. Esther, more difficult because that combination of the S and the T. Yeah, you have to put in an extra vowel for Japanese. Yeah. That makes sense. But at least they're pronounced um, in they're, the, the S and the T are made in the same place. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, more complex if it's not. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> this has been linguistics <laughs> with Karen instead of Eva this time. <laughs> I did the same degree as you. <laughs> Uh, when we get together, a phonetics lecture could break out at any moment. We know how to party. <laughs> We're so fun. <laughs> she gives up on the bank and her next thought is to go to the doctor and look for some medical records. She goes through several scenarios. She suggests announcing that Janine has a rare blood disease and that she needs blood from a close relative. And then she's like, no, the doctor might check up on that. <laughs> if I just turn up and I'm like, I need blood. <laughs> yeah, that's the alarming part. It would be way better to go in and state your actual reasons. Like, <laughs> like John, your daughter's in here and she's looking for blood. Is everything okay? <laughs> well, yes, she correctly surmises this, this cover story might cause more problems than it solved. Just tell the truth, Claudia. No. Then she considers saying that she's writing an autobiography for school and she wants to start with her birth records and medical charts and is like, no, that sounds like bullshit. (laughs) So then she decides to casually come in for a chat and just be like, ah, remember when I was born? Give me full details on that. I feel like this is actually the worst strategy, but she decides to do it anyway. I would assume that my, like... My teenage former patient was pregnant and wanted to <laughs> come round to the really birth thing. Like, also, like <laughs> my mind is just blown by the fact that like the doctor remembers her. Yeah, I think I just I went to the doctor so rarely as a kid, and I just went to like whoever was available, and it wasn't always the same doctor. Mm-hmm. And like, I did not expect to be remembered by these people. <laughs> we we had a wholesome family doctor who would have remembered me, but also like. He would have been probably busy. Like, if I just yeah. turned up for a social chat during his yeah. office hours, he would have been like, 
what are, what are you doing? Like, we're not friends. Do you want to make an appointment? It'll be 50 euro. Yeah, doctors famously have so much time for, like, hanging around and talking. They love when you call <laughs> by to reminisce and shoot the shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. D- Dr. Dellenkamp has ample free time. <laughs> but actually, it turns out that uh, Claudia has only been a patient there since she was about two years old. And Claudia is very suspicious and paranoid. <laughs> I frowned. Talk about fishy stories. How come I didn't remember that? How come no one had told me before? It's like, why would they? And because you were two, Claudia. I- imagine being so bored that you cannot think of anything else to discuss with your child beyond the fact that you switched pediatricians when they were two. How many conversational dead ends have you endured <laughs> before you get to that point? I can imagine it coming up. Like, but I can also imagine it just not happening to come up. Like, I, if there was a very large scandal involving that pediatrician, then maybe it would come up. Even so, it's the sort of thing I can imagine my mum saying, you know, like, as being like, oh, you know, I had to go to blah, blah, blah in such and such a nearby town. It's down that mm. little street. Do you remember the first the first doctor we used to go to with the kids was there? Uh, oh, mean, you wouldn't remember. Yeah, we stopped going there when you were about two. Like, I can see it coming up. Yeah possibly but like it's not weird that it hasn't guys claudia please chill (laughs) no this is not a cover-up or if this came up i would have been like yeah ma'am great like i'm trying to watch fucking like days of our lives cribs (laughs) (laughs) turning the sound up very subtly like i don't want to talk about my pediatrician (laughs) Sorry, I'm regressing myself to, like, Claudia age. (laughs) I figured. Cribs isn't on anymore. I don't think you're quite that rude to your mother now. (laughs) No. (laughs) If she said it to me now, I would assume she had a fucking point. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Claudia's going over to Christie's to babysit Emily Michelle again. Um, This is when they're being bombarded with flying pickles, uh, (laughs) which is just a delightful image. (laughs) And Claudia is... Later, playing with Emily Michelle, and she invents a game to play with her. She makes big paper squares in different colours and teaches Emily Michelle to like match the same colours and point to the red square and point to the blue square and put the blues together and she teaches her shapes and stuff. Mm. And they have a great time. Emily Michelle learns a bit. Uh, they have fun. They bond. Claudia is being creative and inventive and, you know, smart and good at babysitting. Yeah. And she works out like, oh, I've taught her to match things, but she doesn't necessarily know what the colour are. And she keeps like refining how she does the lesson with Emily Michelle as she Mm. goes. And yeah, it's like, yeah, this is like, this is not a stupid person. Yeah. This is a really clever 13 year old working out her own like pedagogical (laughs) pedagogical methods as she goes. It's really cool. Yeah, we're in a run of these books being about how 13 year olds can totally tutor your kid for anything. Uh, yeah. But I think this has been the most enjoyable iteration of it. Yes. Yeah. So I think my takeaway from this was like to feel quite like uncomfortable with the notion of tutoring a two-year-old. Oh yeah, that's bananas. Yes. Like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and just the so the way it's portrayed which isn't necessarily inaccurate is that Emily Michelle is having a good time and yes. that like it's a it's a it's a fun little game for her um and she is probably just vibing with Claudia and with having this kind of attention and praise yeah. and like it's yeah. it's that's great um and so 
that is all fine. Um, but the way that this then transitions to like, oh yeah, Claudia, um, why don't you, you know, work with Emily Michelle a bit more? She can go to your house. You can tutor her. And like, she's too. Yeah, that's no. bizarre. They need to get her ready for preschool though. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, no. no <laughs> preschool don't. is, as we used to call it, daycare. <laughs> it now has like, yeah, here there's like an educational curriculum for it, but most of it is like, um, you know, gluing things to toilet tubes, yeah. <laughs> toilet paper rolls and like all sorts of, you know, it's art. Um, I think I, I know that like education is still really up in the air as a science, like, but I'm pretty sure there is like consensus that up until seven, everything should be play-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should not be rote learning <laughs> until you are much, much older. <laughs> In Claudia's defence, she has not busted out the flashcards. She is not pulling a Mallory here. <laughs> no, Maggie. Olmec. Olmec. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Now, I mean, this is very much play-based, but yes, the idea that Emily Michelle needs, like, toddler grinds to, is like, bonkers. level up her toddler skills is ridiculous. This scene is play-based. Yeah. But later on, it's not. Mm. Like, the way that it is described is... um. I don't know, again, if this is something Anna Martin is making up or if it is something that they tried at that point in time and that was correct for, like, um, yeah, like, pre-preschool <laughs> remedial education. Um, and I was just, I was just uncomfortable with it. But I suppose, like, whatever the kid is enjoying, if you can, if you can keep their attention, um, I was thinking about my own experience trying something remotely connected to this, which is like first year linguistics learning about the WUG test. Mm -hmm. You guys know about it. So it's basically like, uh, this, it's not even, it's not a test. It's, uh, not really even a skill. It's, um, a sort of a demonstration of the fact that, um, somebody, even a very small, like, young child will know how to make the correct type of plural for a word, even a totally unfamiliar word, if you give them an example of it. And the WUG test is like, it's a flashcard with a this cute little blue bird on it. And you're like, this is a WUG. Now there are two of them. There are two. And they come back with, uh, WUGs, you dumbass. Um, but I tried it on my cousin Emer, who was the smallest child I had available at the time. And uh, was like, here, Emer, what's this? This is a WUG. And she was like, it's a duck. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 it's a, it's, it's, it's a wug. Okay. Now, now there are two of them. Ducks, two ducks. <laughs> I tried this for a while and it did not, there was, there was, <laughs> it didn't go down the way it was supposed to. And then she started to demand that I added things. So in the end, the duck was on fire and had like machine guns. <laughs> so the, the whole thing, like, I just have a lot of skepticism about Emily Michelle focusing on this for multiple sessions yeah. over multiple days. Yes, Emily <laughs> Michelle has an unnatural attention span here. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Why is nobody talking about that? I think by the sound of it, your cousin Emer needed remedial preschool lessons so that she could learn to do the wug thing properly. How dare you? <laughs> anyway, Stacy goes over to the Perkinses to revel in their Mary Sueish glory. Mm -hmm. uh, Mrs. Perkins has a beautiful voice and sings with a choir and is performed in New York City and Washington DC. This is the first acknowledgement <laughs> that there's like another top tier city up there with New York City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when they go on and on about California, they don't go on and on about LA. Mm. So yes, we find out that Mariah is five and a half and very smart. Gabby is allegedly two and a half, but we have our doubts. Mm. Oh my God. God, she's five and a half. 
I was like, she's got to be eight or nine at least, given what we see her doing. Like, no. Fuck's sake. <laughs> the girls are famous in the neighborhood for memorizing and singing long songs. This sounds like <laughs> a nightmare. Like they will ring the bell and turn up at your door and sing some sort of like 14 verse folk ballad with a accompanying dance routine and you have to stand there and smile and take it. It's the Ballad of Reading Jail. That's what it is. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, roll down the blinds, pretend we're not here. Oh, that little tent of blue we prisoners call the sky. Shut up, Cabin. <laughs> Shut up, Mariah. I feel like that's the long poem that Irish children learn if they're precocious and a bit annoying. <laughs> I never learned it, thank God. I know several people who learned it. <laughs> I found it too long. I don't like long poems. I found it way too long to like, I, I read it, but like, I never. I have not read it. <laughs> I, I learned a lot of poems by heart because I did speech and drama, but like, that's way too long. I was picturing a bit of Yates, like, <laughs> they turn up and they bust out, like, Romantic Ireland's dead and gone with Valerian the Great. <laughs> She's just shouting through the letterbox. <laughs> Cast a cold eye on life on death, horseman pass by. At least that's short. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good as well, actually. But that's the one I know best, so The Perkins is we have questions and we want none of them answered. But um <laughs> basically in this chapter we are told that the girls are allowed just like vibe with the kitchen ingredients and it's fine. And so Mariah just yeah, like ad hoc makes perfectly serviceable chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. just by occasionally tasting the dough and like I bake a lot. I've watched a lot of Bake Off. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. No, if it was like these were halfway decent cookies, but kind of like kind of weird, fundamentally wrong. Yeah, yeah. But like, no. but no, they're great. They're just they're real cookies. They're fine. They're grand. Mm. Not how cookies work. That is just not how cookies work. No. Then the dog knocks half of them on the floor. <laughs> Yes, because they're geniuses to the point of I hate that word, but like they're 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 like clever enough to make their own cookies from scratch, but not clever enough to stop the dog from eating them. <laughs> like, oh, he our dog who we're intimately familiar with, and we know he's not allowed in the house. We let him in the house while he were upstairs mm-hmm. putting the baby to sleep on her tummy. I was like, oh yes, no, oh no, oh no, this is other. Bad parenting advice that was current at the time. Ah, I'm sure like Laura Perkins was fine. It's okay. She's also fictional. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, she was probably born able to roll herself over because she's a Perkins. Because she's a Perkins. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. She's like, I don't need tummy time. I can walk already. (laughs) But most importantly, the Perkinses for like unnecessarily explained plot reasons have a lot of books in the house. And Stacy finds a novel called Find a Stranger, Say Goodbye by Lois Lowry, which is about an adopted girl who searches for her birth mother. So she calls Claudia up and tells her, did you know there's fiction about adopted children searching for their birth parents? And Claudia's <laughs> mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. And then she has a whole new side quest to find a copy of this book because apparently this is the only source of possible information she could get on the topic. I really don't know why this is such a major plot point. Probably because it's Anna M. Martin doing her usual I'm recommending a young, young adult book that I approve of to you, the reader. You know what, though? I googled the book and it's not that well reviewed. Huh. Like, when it came out, it got a really grudging review from, like, Kirkus. Uh, that was like, this is not up to the standards of her previous book. 
uh, it's fine, I guess, but it's just not that good. Like it's, oh, wow. it, it, wow. this is not Newbery medal material. <laughs> I assumed it had to be a Newbery award winner. Wow. Doesn't seem to be. It's apparently kind of underwhelming. <laughs> I think it's autobiographical. Oh, I could no. be wrong, but like, yeah, that's, that's harsh if that's what, what Yeesh. actually happened. That would be harsh. Um, well, uh, yeah, I Wikipedia'd her because um, I was like, I definitely read a Lois Lowry, but actually, it turns out I read a bunch of the Anastasia books, mm-hmm. oh, um, yes. which are just like good, clean fun and not very issuey. Yeah, 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 <laughs> so, mm. yeah the only one of hers that I read was super issuey because it was about the Holocaust. Yeah, <laughs> it was probably better than the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. I'll say that for it. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> low bar there, though. Yeah. <laughs> We then have Claudia doing more espionage stuff. So she's managed to get the book. She has read it. Uh, it has given her much to think about. Um, so she decides to go to the public library where her mom works. But she doesn't want her mom to know that she's there. So she figures out her mom's schedule and sneaks in when she knows her mom is going to be in a staff meeting, which is great. <laughs> so she gets someone to show her how to use the microfiche machines. You can totally hear like spy montage music playing over this whole bit. Like this is <laughs> this is peak detecting real hard stuff. So she goes through the archives of the Stony Brook News and she cannot find her birth announcement. It's yeah, like this is another Claudia is smart. Um like they still use microfiche machines and like about four editions of a newspaper in you start to go oh my god is this what my life has come to like so fair play to her for sticking with it. I know she's very determined <laughs> like I really respect how she goes about all of this yes she's picked a very specific um time bracket as well yeah um in, like the dates surrounding her <laughs> what she believes is her alleged birthday yeah um she's like right I'm gonna I'm just gonna check these ones and uh you know if it's not there what what will happen and then when she can't find it, she will like widens her search window and looks a bit earlier and a bit, a bit later and stuff. And she does exactly what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But then when she can't find her birth announcement, she immediately decides that this definitely means she was either adopted from outside Stony Brook or her birth name is not Claudia. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the babies who were born the week that she was allegedly born and um, notes down all of the girls born that week Uh, eliminates the ones that she already knows because they go to school with her (laughs) and notes down the names of the remaining girls and decides to track them down. Um, Yeah, very smart, very methodical. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's absolutely seeing things that are not there, but I I love her whole process in this. Yeah. Yeah. She has kind of concluded that it has to be one of the remaining three girls, yeah. which is a um, definitely a false premise. (laughs) But, but yeah, she has, she has done, quite good research in getting to this yeah. getting to this point um i think she's uh, she's at this place where do you know that whole kind of um fable about um looking for your keys under the lamppost because it's where the light is best yes. mm-hmm. um that's what she's doing here and it's like it's so relatable i feel like i have done that so many times <laughs> yes <laughs> like well i only have this one digitized newspaper from this 10 year period and there were like 40 but I'm going to check this newspaper so yes. like, for the thing. I know it's in here. It's got to be in here somewhere. Definitely. Claudia is, um, she is doing something which I think is familiar to anyone who's done genealogical research. 
uh, which is that the facts aren't quite fitting her narrative, so she is extrapolating wildly. Um, <laughs> so her three candidate babies are Cara Ferguson, Daphne Selsom, and Raisa Ho. Um, she decides that maybe she's really Raisa Ho, and that maybe she's Hawaiian or Polynesian, mm-hmm. and that maybe her parents... Uh, so the Hoes were supposedly visiting Stony Brook from Wyoming when Raisa was born. Mm-hmm. So she decides that maybe her parents weren't even from Wyoming. They were from Hawaii or California or someplace where there are lots of Asians or Polynesians. But also maybe they lied about their name and it was Hoshikawa or Hoshino or Yamaguchi or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, this is This is... As a big genealogy nerd, I related real hard to this. <laughs> you come up with some bullshit sometimes. Yes. This is why you need to do it with a buddy who will talk you down. <laughs> so Stacy comes over in her capacity as um research buddy to talk Claudia down. Mm-hmm. And she gently says that the uh, race of hoe from Polynesia... Uh, theory. Via Wyoming. Uh, via Wyoming, via actually her name was Yamaguchi all along, <laughs> is maybe a little bit far-fetched. Claudia says that, okay, maybe she slightly lost the run of herself there, but that definitely if she'd been born in Stony Brook, her birth announcement would have been in the paper because all birth announcements are in the paper and that's just the way it is and she's definitely not there. <laughs> I like how she how she puts that in. There is no kind of... Who puts the announcement in the paper? Like, okay, in the Stony Brook news, they'll probably put fucking anything in the paper. <laughs> but I believe in normal newspapers, you actually have to pay. Yes, <laughs> you have to phone up and place a <laughs> listing. And like, many people do not bother. I sure didn't announce my children's births in the paper. God, no. Was we, were we supposed to do that? Oh my God. No, nobody has done it since Facebook was invented anyway. And, and not everyone <laughs> did it before then. I'm pretty sure my, like, that my birth was not in the paper. My birth wasn't in the paper. Uh, no. My husband's was. Mm. I have the snippet. Uh, that, but, uh, yeah, they're a bit posh though, aren't they? Your husband's family is posh, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> so they 100% all in, in the Irish Times. Of course it's in the Irish Times, if that yes. goes without saying. Yes. I have um, a copy of the engagement announcement of my parents-in-law, because my mother-in-law gave me a copy of it. She was like, look, oh, you'll wow. like this. <laughs> I have like seven copies. Here, you can have I one. And it. now I have Aww. it. And it is actually... I was like at the time, like, yeah, sure, great. I know that is. <laughs> now nice. I'm like, oh, that's that very is like, yes. I love it. Rick's, Rick's mom gave it to him, and he was just like, oh, I'm gonna throw this out. And I was like, don't you dare throw that out. <laughs> We're keeping this. It's important. Yeah, maybe it's different in America, but over here, anyway, it's definitely it's a very class thing. Yeah. I think, like, yeah, yeah. I I would think of it as a it's a posh person thing to do, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, to put an announcement in the paper, but that it apparently in Stony Brook there's just some kind of panopticon authority who puts all the babies in the paper whether they want it or not. I I think Claudia just doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It has not occurred to her that her birth, her parents might have neglected to put her, (laughs) like to to put her in the paper when she was born. (laughs) It must just be something that's more commonplace in Stony Brook. I guess because mm-hmm. they're really short of content for the newspaper. Yeah, plus it's the pre pre Facebook days, and yeah. it's a small town where everyone will want to know the news. I suppose, which I think is probably a part of it. I'm always happy to find birth announcements for stuff that's relevant to my work. I'm like, I'm delighted when they got around to doing yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> but also, yeah, it means they had a few quid. Yes, <laughs> doing future historians a solid. Yeah. So Claudia then decides she's going to contact these various sets of parents and 
see if they are in fact her parents. Uh, so she comes, spends the night thinking of various cover stories. So she calls, first of all, the Ferguson family and says that she's been assigned the name Ferguson to do a research project on and she wants to do a family tree of them, which sounds like a data protection nightmare. But Mr. Ferguson is surprisingly game and gives all his family's details, <laughs> including all his children's names and birth dates. Holy moly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Even in the 80s in America. I mean, okay, yeah. So here we, like, you'd get arrested for that shit. You wouldn't, but you'd have a lot of red tape to go through. Yes. Mr. Ferguson has no guile whatsoever. <laughs> Just give out all the data to whatever randomer calls and asks for it. <sighs> However, uh, his daughter Cara is in fact being raised in the Ferguson family. So she is not Claudia. Um, next uh, Claudia doesn't have a phone number for the Selsum family, but she does have their address, so she turns up at their house. Um, they've moved away, but the new owner very kindly uh, gives her their contact details. Um, so she phones them up, but they too did not give their daughter away for adoption, so it's fine. So she decides she's definitely Race a Ho from allegedly Kuchara, Wyoming. <laughs> If that was their real name, and they really were from Wyoming. Which, again, is a leap. Yes. But, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> she can go with it. Well, if you decide that none of the facts can be trusted, then it doesn't matter when the facts don't support your narrative, because it just turns out that those facts were lies anyway, so... Speaking oh, of Q. God. Yeah. No. You can see no. how it happens. No. <laughs> Some facts have to be trusted somewhere. <laughs> Yes. Well, I think that's what Claudia learns by the end of this book, but she's lost in the sauce right now. <laughs> Bless her. We then have a babysitting slash softball interlude where Christy is hanging out with David Michael. He's feeling a bit insecure because Emily Michelle is getting so much attention. Uh, she re reassures him that it's just because Emily needs extra support right now mm -hmm. and they would get that attention if they needed it. It's thematic. <laughs> it's thematic, Yes. Then David Michael asks if he's good at softball and she very diplomatically tells him that he's improving. <laughs> I, I think we did a much later book where David Michael is like one of the stars of the team and is actually like moderately good. I so. guess he did improve. Yeah, I think he had done really well in the one where they all got lost in the bus. Yeah. Yes. With that the two, two bridges being out because local infrastructure funding <laughs> is non-existent. All the money has gone into the civic centre. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you put that. It kind of sounds like it was a really big bus and they all got lost inside it, but they were on the bus and they got lost in the countryside. Yeah, I, I that was not good sentencing. So, sorry. Sorry, no. It was only that it was hilarious. <laughs> Many of my sentences don't stand up to scrutiny either. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, dudes, I, I edit this podcast intensively and I can confidently tell you none of us have sentences that stand up to scrutiny. <laughs> Thank you for making us sound clever and witty. That's yes. why our episodes come out so rarely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and talk in complete sentences. Woo! I'm not going to bother. Living the dream. <laughs> why start now? The <laughs> <laughs> Christie's Crushers do the sports thing. You all know how we feel about sports scenes. Um, Bart Taylor turns up to escort Christie home. She gives them the shortest pep talk in existence and it's described as a pep talk. <laughs> what is it? 
Then she gave the crushes a pep talk. Now get out there and play your hardest. We've got a big game against the Bashers coming up. And then they all go off to play. I think that's the last two lines of the pep talk. I think they omitted the rest of the pep talk. Maybe? No, it's introduced with a colon, which means that what follows is the entirety of the pep talk. Hang on. You start your talk with now get out there. Like now get out there is something you say after there's been a preamble. Oh, guys, I think you're both right. I I feel like this text is unreliable. (laughs) It's thematically appropriate. (laughs) I blame Claudia (laughs) for this. (laughs) Well, I blame Christy for not writing up her pep talk in enough detail in the club notebook so that Claudia could give us a full pricey of it later on. Oh my God, this is so multi-layered. These stories are filtered through so many narrators. It's like House of Leaves. (laughs) Only way more low stakes. What's that Kurosawa film that people are always talking about? Rashomon. Yes, it's Rashomon. (laughs) You know, I know nothing about that movie, but I bet that's also got higher stakes than this. Oh, no, I'm sure it's lower stakes than like a children's... Like, not even... It's not even the the ball game. It's... (laughs) The discussion of the practice for the ball game. Yeah, it's like a, you know, anti-drama. Yes. Yeah, it's very avant-garde to get down to this level of, like, <laughs> low stakes. Non-incident. Yes. Okay, so the the, ga- the practice for the game takes place. Yes. Sports are sported. It's fine. But basically, this chapter exists to remind us that Bart is still a thing. Are you spying on the crushers? Teased Christy. Ha 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 ha. This is such a joke. But seriously, he did that before. <laughs> so she has fucking good reason to ask this. It's not teasing. <laughs> this is a full blown, like, <laughs> just, a, just a request for information. <laughs> I don't think he has anything to fear from her team, though, considering it has Gabby Perkins on it. <laughs> Their their entire raison d'être is that they're crap, so I don't I don't think he needs to do like corporate espionage on them to win. I that's the thing, but he did in one of the previous books. I think it's because he has the hots for Christy. He brought his whole team along and they made fun of them. I don't think they knew how crap they were at that stage. Like they were like True. Oh, we better check out this other team. And then they were like, Oh, the team's crap. Oh. I, I think regularly when we're filming this, we take a wide variety of stances on how charitable we're going to be in our assessment of people's motives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think I've like, I've got Bart assigned like <laughs> the lowest of the low. Not him necessarily. It's more the bashers who are his like ancillaries, but he's supposed to keep them in line. So. Well, yeah, those kids are garbage. Um, yeah. But also, I think this is partly because none of us know anything about sports. We don't know the etiquette of like, is watching the other team practice, like, is that a normal thing to do yeah. to see what you're up against? Or is that a sneaky spy thing to do that you're not meant to have access to that information? Who knows? And we're certainly not going to find out. Don't at us. Yeah. 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 Yes. It feels like bad form. But then again, you have to practice in a public place. And what's going to stop people doing like being yeah. in the place? So maybe that's normal. I think also, like, given that he has a crush on Christy. I, I, yeah, he's he's only shown up to walk her home. Yeah. I know I know that's the case. I just feel like it could be a more pointed statement from her oh, than yeah. it actually yeah. is here. <laughs> no, fair, but fair. I think he, he's not nefarious. He's just horny. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody in these books is horny, Esther. 
<laughs> Except for all the adults. Oh, yeah. That's all off-screen. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So, yes, Emily is coming over to Claudia's house next for her tutoring sessions. Um, everybody <laughs> loves Emily, even Janine. Um, even Janine is charmed by her. They have fun. They hang out. Christy does some rote learning with her. <laughs> no, let's start from the top, she says. Oh my God, I said Christy. Sorry. Claudia does some rote learning with her. <laughs> Being bossy and demanding, it must be Christy. <laughs> I don't think she she is, but she is. Ma- she does say, no, let's start from the top at one point. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's, that's not play-based learning. <laughs> I'm, I'm still like, still stuck on um Emily saying hi Nini to Janine and Janine just belting. They're so cute. I have a balloon. I love you. <laughs> so, yes, the fact that Janine has been saving this balloon to give to Emily is very oh. adorable. Yes. Well, God forbid Janine, like, should find toddlers cute. <laughs> That's not something that nerds who like computers do. They don't have normal human responses. Well, I think Janine is normally quite wrapped up in her stuff. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it's it's nice. And she does find toddlers cute. <laughs> Everyone loves Emily, even if her preschool skills were not up to scratch initially. <laughs> Claudia then calls um, the Ho family of Wyoming. It turns out there's several Ho families in Wyoming. Mm. One of them has a 13-year-old daughter, but it isn't Raisa Ho, which seems like a weird red herring. One of them doesn't answer. And one of them doesn't have a teenage daughter. So the lady who doesn't answer is called Mary Ho. And Claudia, I think, rings up Stacy and says, I found my birth mother. <laughs> it's the woman who didn't answer. <laughs> she didn't say she wasn't my birth mother, so she's definitely my birth mother. I do wonder if this is like a very convenient point at which to just stop. Because it's like Schrodinger's birth mother. Because <laughs> like Claudia can at the same time conclude this is probably the woman who gave birth to me. Mm-hmm. Um and also, I haven't confirmed this, so I can go on with my normal life if I so choose, which I probably will do. Yeah. Um, and Stacey's like, no, don't don't be so fucking like ridiculous. Well, also, Stacey's like, you're making wild leaps here um, because you didn't talk to this woman at all and she might be only 21. Yes. <laughs> and Claudia's like, but it, all the pieces fit. It just makes so much sense. I mean, except that they're is no guarantee any of these three children who were born in Stony Brook in the same week as you have anything to do with you. She gives her explanation as to why, like, Stacey asked the really reasonable question, why are you so sure that if you are adopted that you were born in Stony Brook? Like, I don't know, once I heard a news story about a woman who gave birth to a baby she couldn't keep, so the doctor who delivered the baby adopted him. That baby would have been born in the same town where his birth mother lived. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And Stacey is like, I didn't understand that, but okay. Stamford is an hour's drive away, okay? <laughs> Though it's an hour. Yes. And there are more babies being born there, so... <laughs> You're very close to New York. Have you thought about that? <laughs> Probably some babies are adopted from New York every now and again. Poor Claudia. She suddenly realised she needed to try and track down her birth to New York. <laughs> <laughs> also, Stacy would be fucking sick because it would turn out she wasn't the only New Yorker in the club anymore. Oh my god. That was her whole, like, cachet. Yes, but what really makes you a New Yorker? Nature or nurture? Good point. Well, no wonder Claudia's <laughs> always been quite sophisticated for a Stony Brooker. 
Yeah, I think you could probably be like, you could justify it in that manner. Yeah. It's, it's her New York jeans coming through. That's it. Except she's not from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Twist ending. <laughs> oh my God, mind blown. Stacy very sensibly points out that Claudia should actually maybe talk to her parents about this. <laughs> and Claudia's like, no, they've constructed a house of lies. And Stacy points out that this isn't actually what they tend to do. Um, so maybe she should like give it a shot. So they actually notice that Claudia is very stressed out and they take her aside and very sweetly sort of ask her what's up and is she having problems at school or is she having a fight with Stacy or what's going on? Yeah, she's like, I've, I've set a deadline. I'm going to talk to them after dinner. And over dinner, they're like, we need to talk to Claudia. <laughs> yeah. She's not okay. Clearly in a state. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, it's the most attention they've ever paid to her. Mm. Yeah. This scene is definitely the most attention they have ever paid to her, unless there was like an extended lecture over her grades at some previous time. Yeah. So Claudia finally confronts her parents uh, with her so-called evidence, such as not enough baby pictures and no birth announcement in the Stony Brook News, a mystery locked box in the drawer. And the fact that she's a wild dresser and a little boy crazy and Janine isn't. Mm-hmm. So her parents explain that um, second babies just don't get that many pictures taken of them. <gasps> I like this. I remembered in like technicolor detail, <laughs> <laughs> this description, it just really stuck with me for some reason. And they're like, look, your second, like the first child, you're, when you have your first baby, you can't stop taking pictures of them. You're just like, oh my God, we can't believe what we've done here. Um, For the second baby, it's just like, you're a bit busier, you're more tired and you're, <laughs> it's less of a new thing. So you don't take as many pictures. And I was like, that is brutal honesty. Yep. <laughs> and also I think it's like, Back in the day when you had to get the camera out and put film in it, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Nowadays, now that there's a camera on your phone, you take a shit ton of pictures of your second baby too. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm the expert in the group on that. I have like, but you're the only one who has I two have, kids. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have so many that my phone is not working properly anymore, and I need to take some of them off. So, like, I. But I just, I, oh, I feel for Claudia so much in that because, like. What are you to do except be brutally honest about the lack of pictures? Yeah, but also that's so sad. It is, but everyone says it about you know subsequent babies that there's fewer pictures of every baby, and they do say as well like you're actually busier. You have the older child, and I think of course the the yeah. fact that there's an older child is not insignificant. Mm. It influences loads of stuff. No, of um, course, like just the fact that you're busy and everything. Um. If you have a camera phone, it is much easier to take yeah. pictures. <laughs> but yeah, like if you have to put, yeah, do the whole film thing and then get it developed and blah, blah, blah. And like, there's only so many hours in the day. It's perfectly yeah. understandable. Just the bit where she's like, she she's looking for a shot of her being brought home from the hospital and there isn't one. And that is crushing. Like, you just, you just can't, you can't do anything about the fact that they didn't get around to it. Yeah. They were busy. <laughs> um... Uh, just yeah I just feel for her <laughs> I do but I also like I appreciate their honesty they're just like yeah we're sorry we dropped the ball yeah they're very honest in this yes. conversation um, it's it's really good actually the, the extent to which they're like look we just have to yeah. we just have to level everything yeah, with like, you um, we're sorry we didn't take <laughs> enough pictures 
Um, we still love you, though. Uh, also, you look just like Mimi did at your age, uh, mm-hmm. more than you look like anyone else. And also, your birth was announced in the now defunct Stony Brook Gazette. Case closed. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Yes, that was a relief. I couldn't remember that bit when I went back. I was like, how are they going to explain the newspaper thing? I need to know. <laughs> like, oh, this is very reasonable though. And also they say that Claudia is very like her Aunt Peaches. Yeah. Yes. And also that she, her dad says, I don't know if you can see this, but you're actually a really good blend of the two of us. Mm. Like, that's true. And also like loads of people will have the experience of having like a sibling that they look nothing alike. Yeah. But you still kind of both look like both your parents yes. somehow genes just it's that it's that, weird that it just goes like that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes it turns out there's a good explanation for everything and the stony brook gazette is no more because it didn't have enough clickbait bullshit stories about local pigs yeah i also like that if you went back to the library and looked at the gazette and the microsoft mach- microfiche mach- machine you'd find your announcement said mom but you won't have to bother with that since i have a copy of the entire paper in the desk of my bedroom yay they did yeah. keep paraphernalia <laughs> Yeah, and they they also have Janine's birth in that, yes. which is nice continuity too. Yeah. Um, like we we announced your birth in the same newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> you just didn't know to look there because <laughs> you're working with incomplete information. Also, it turned out that the lockbox contains a ton of cash in case they need fast cash in the middle of the night <laughs> yes. for unspecified reasons. <laughs> in case their secret drug dealers come to the door. Oh, by the way. <laughs> We're also cocaine addicts. <laughs> Did you know? <laughs> Full transparency, no secrets. <laughs> but you're not adopted, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I can see cash emergencies over the weekend when the bank is shut. But the middle of the night line did throw me a lot. Because, yeah. like, all I could picture was crime emergencies. Maybe they're like, this will appeal to the drama in my 13-year-old who loves the drama. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I, like, I was thinking of, like, what emergencies happen in the middle of the night? And I'm like, break-ins... And like medical emergencies, I'm like, even the US healthcare system doesn't insist a payment in cash immediately at midnight. <laughs> yeah, you have to pay the ambulance driver or they won't let you out at the other end. <laughs> Where he's like, yeah, Janine has all these dark web contacts that sometimes show up. So we've just learned to keep <laughs> yeah. a bunch of cash. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, that basically wraps wraps things up. Claudia has accepted that she is, in fact, not adopted. Um, Mm -hmm. She has a picture of Mimi, age 12, uh, that she's framed in her room with a picture of herself at the same age, which is very sweet. Uh, Stacy turns up and is very tired from her babysitting duties, and Claudia is a bit worried about her. And we'll say no more about that for another 10 books. (laughs) Emily Michelle has finally got into preschool, or she will be able to accept. Yes. She will be able to start preschool in the fall. Um, she has leveled up due to her tutoring with Claudia <laughs> yeah. to the point where they are willing to accept her. Okay, guys. <laughs> I have to say, uh, one of the things that really made me roll my eyes was it went from like Emily Michelle pointing at things and going, buh, to Emily Michelle taking the balloon from Janine and waving it at Claudia and saying, blow up in the space of like, a week's tutoring and I'm like uh-huh I get I understand that the tutoring is going to get her to like recognize her colors and stuff but um I think it is longer actually I think it's a few weeks it says somewhere okay so let's just assume that that would have happened anyway cool. yeah yeah she's just she's just about to go through a spurt and yeah working with Claudia you know she had a wonder week and it's fine and yeah, it's true. yeah even Christy admits that like by the time Emily Michelle starts preschool she's going to be three 
which is the same age Andrew and Karen started preschool. So she's in fact exactly on track and everything was fine all along. That is a very standard age for starting preschool. <laughs> Even if she was four, like that's not that big a deal, guys. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Christy sort of admits that actually everything was fine all along and it was just her worrying, yeah. uh, which is unusually self-aware, I think. But uh, yeah, everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And there was no there was no problem. There never was any problem. These girls love the drama. I think Claudia has bought into it a little bit as well, because obviously there is the thematic link between Emily being an adopted child and Claudia speculating on her own origins and why she's so different from the rest yeah. of her family. Yeah. Um uh, but yeah, I'm <laughs> it's nice to see the 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 it's seen all quiet down <laughs> at the end. Um I thought that the scene where Claudia frames a picture of um herself and Mimi together is actually really nice. Yeah. Um and it's also really nice continuity because so we skipped the Mimi uh, the episode where Mimi dies yeah. um because it was it was going to be too sad. Um but I I really think that it is like beautifully handled mm-hmm. for Claudia to still be like grieving Mimi and like that provides the context for this whole experience that she's had in this book. Yeah. Um and that she has mentioned a couple of times along the way that she would have gone straight to Mimi with these fears and Mimi would have immediately reassured her. Yeah. Um and that it's it's really to do with the fact that like that kind of anchor in her family is no longer here. Mm-hmm. That she is having this identity crisis basically. Yeah. Um and I just uh it's like the fact that I don't like my memories of these books is that Claudia mentions Mimi and all her friends mention Mimi in all the books. Yeah. For the next hundred books, she's still sad. She's still yeah. going through yeah. that. And like they're preserved in amber, but like still she like that that continues yeah. there. Yeah. Um which is like I think that's it's great that like they didn't just decide to wind up yes. the loss of somebody that's so important in a like one or two or ten books. Like it's just ongoing. So like I'm, I I think this is actually this is a beautiful scene. Like really, yeah, it was really nice. Yeah, it was great. It was. It was lovely. So the only bit that I highlighted in it was like that made me sad was other than me was you know, it was it was something that would hang in my room until I went away to college if I could get into any college. I'm like, oh my god, you're 13. Please stop worrying about that. <laughs> you're gonna get into also, art school. It's gonna be fine. And way more fun than. A lot of colleges. And also, you're never going to college because you're going to be 13 forever, so don't worry about it. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> that too. You're going to be 13 and freshly bereaved forever. Oh. Okay, that's less beautiful. <laughs> Stop ruining my point, Esther. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just find it kind of horrifying that like the grief is always going to be fresh because she's always going to be 13. <sighs> yeah. I don't like thinking of the time warp in that way. It doesn't, that's not real. No. Time warp upsets me in that way, honestly. Babies still get born. Yeah, but they never get bigger then. Yeah. They get a few months old and then they stay. Yeah. I choose to not, I choose to only believe the time warp when it's funny. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, no, Claudia does not grieve forever because they are going to grow up. They are going to leave school. They are going to go on to have lives. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Here's a thing, an alternative way of viewing the time warp. That actually all this stuff is happening 
in much closer proximity than the books represent it because narratively <laughs> oh, we God. need it. Just having so, an incredibly intense year. Yes, but that's what being like 13 and 14 is like. You're just like really confused and you don't know what's going on but, and everything is very dramatic. There definitely wasn't multiple <laughs> Halloween hops the year we were 13, Karen. No, there's just a lot of stuff happening at the same Halloween hop. <laughs> Drama. I'm not going to try and unpack that at all. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just going to throw it out there and leave it with us. (laughs) Being a teenager was confusing, as I recall it. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I remember linear time still held up. (laughs) Even in the depths of puberty. (laughs) But you weren't a whole club of eight people. (laughs) That is true. I was not. I was actually just thinking about like Claudia in this book and and like them growing up and what the hum- do you know what I could actually see Claudia ending up as like an art teacher yeah back in Stony Brook mm. who is super supportive to the non-academic students you know where <laughs> she'd work at the civic center I meant like just an art teacher in school I don't know I could see her at the civic center getting a huge salary with all that civic center funding yeah it's true the Civic Centre funding is probably going to dry up later, but yeah, by the time she's like looking for work. But yeah. yeah. I don't understand the Civic Centre and I kind of fear the Civic Centre, so I sort of prefer the notion of her working in a more conventional like art space. <laughs> who knows who the Civic Centre is really beholden to? It feels a bit like it's some kind of surveillance. <laughs> I was just thinking it was money laundering, but... <laughs> Like, no, no, here's some construction paper. Everybody, please lean into the microphone so we can get your voice print. Okay. And write your parents' credit card numbers here. (laughs) Maybe the Civic Center is who's in charge of reporting all the babies. (laughs) (laughs) Let's run through some outfits. There's not a lot of outfits in this for a a Claudia book. Yeah. We have Janine is dressed like a secretary to get her science award. Uh, she's wearing a long pleated plaid skirt, a white shirt with a round collar, stockings and blue heels. Stockings are presumably being established as tights and not as <laughs> not like <laughs> thigh high lingerie. <laughs> that definitely like puts a lid on something we spent a lot of time speculating on in a previous episode. It still means that stockings are a weird Mother's Day gift, but yeah. they're not a sexy yeah. Mother's Day gift. They're an extremely boring, depressing how did I raise children like these Mother's Day gift? Yeah. What's wrong with chocolates? But okay, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Don't buy me tights, kids. <laughs> we have closure on stockings. Thank you. Claudia is wearing one of her usual wild outfits, a very short black skirt, an oversized white shirt with bright pink and turquoise poodles printed on it. Oh, that's on the cover of this book, actually. Uh, turquoise flats with ankle straps and a ton of jewellery, including dangly poodle earrings. Oh, yes. I do Ooh. like the poodle team. It's cute. I think a poodle skirt is a 50s thing. It is. Yeah. But I can see there being like an ironic oh God, reference yeah. to that yeah. in the 80s. It's, so yeah, cool. poodle um, accessories. I actually have a note on, one note on clothing. I don't normally bother with, it's like talking about Janine's friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm, the boys' yes. pants were too short. Both the girls and boys were wearing stuff that didn't match, like checks with plaids. I bet you a tenner there is at least one Claudia outfit somewhere in the hundred and something, two hundred and something books that has checks with plaids in it. Definitely. For sure. I feel like Cher from Clueless is real into those. Into like, like 
big patterns. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably. Um, I was I was looking at that and going, I the nerd clothes feel wrong to me in a way that I'm finding difficulty with parsing. I feel like they seem like a parody of yes. nerdy clothes written by somebody where in like a TV show where it's obvious that this is a parody and it's not what like do you know who they sound like actually the character who? played by Derek Masters on yes. his like yes. elementary school sitcom they're like urkels absolutely yeah that yeah so i don't okay so oh my god i'm from such a different context like it's the wrong time it's the wrong fucking continent but like we were quite nerdy and we had Lots of friends who were quite nerdy and they wore a range of clothes, but I feel like there was more emphasis on stuff that was just kind of vaguely comfortable and not maybe too much attention to brand or like fashion or style. Um, And I feel like Christie's clothes are a much better proxy. Yes. yes. Just like, jeans and whatever. Jeans and whatever. Yeah, exactly. And the jeans might not be a fashionable cut. Yeah, exactly. Like... Jeans or whatever, and your jeans could be from, like, the mom jeans section of a department store because you don't know or care any better. Yeah. Yes. And if you're going to wear this kind of statementy stuff you're going to wear will be to do with your interests, some of which will not be mainstream. So, like, collie dog hat or nerd hoodie. Yeah. T-shirt with a coding joke on the front. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing that nerds wear nowadays. I think that those kind of things didn't really exist back then so much, but yes. Yes. They're all dressed like they're doing a secretarial course. Except that Christy's wearing that stuff. <laughs> well, she has a hat with a collie on, but... Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking about the like terrible lack of availability of nerd shirts in Ireland. Yeah. I was super into the X-Files and the only T-shirts you could get of a show that was extremely popular, extremely popular. And the only like X-Files t-shirts you could get were like double XL men's. <laughs> I was 14 and not large. Oh. I, I have, I still have a bunch of my double XL men's X-Files t-shirts. <laughs> but like, yeah, even like the unofficial ones that my friend's granny bought us down the market and like the official ones that I bought from a Fruin Planet, they were all just huge swimming on me and big t-shirts were not in in 1997 at all oh yeah it was like tight baby doll t-shirts. it was like it was short tight t-shirts all the okay. way and you just could not until i was like in college could you get non double xl men's nerd t-shirts when it became possible to buy stuff online yes it was a revelation yeah that that, that changed it yeah but yeah i feel like these kids could probably scare up a star trek t-shirt amongst mm-hmm. them yeah i'm so i just i feel like this is another like generation back of what the nerds do be wearing to I, I think it is very much <laughs> what didn't the nerds wear in the 50s and 60s yeah i'm also fascinated by claudia wants to buy a really neat day glow green sweater with charms knitted into it yes yeah I cannot picture that. I assume she means like little little doohickey charms knitted into it, but also charms knitted into it sounds like a witch did the knitting. <laughs> yeah, I f- yes, I feel like it's simultaneously like baby melting acrylic and also possibly demon summoning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, I it is a it is a jumper of great power. I'm so both, you know. <laughs> well, that's why you need a two hundred and fifty dollar check to buy it. <laughs> These things don't come cheap. Yeah. Witches value the price of their own labor. 
Exactly as they should. Good for witches. Yeah. Yes. It- but they should possibly use better yarn. <laughs> Good point. They also have to, you know, make what sells though. So that's true. Mm-hmm. People just won't pay the price for good wool, but they will pay for like curses knitted into the stitches. <laughs> oh my god. Witches are subject to capitalism too. I'm so sad. I know. <laughs> None of us can avoid it, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> Not even the witches. But at least they're trying to do something about it, you know? You just yeah. keep on with those hexes, girls. Yeah. <laughs> Hex that move. Keep on hexing. Yeah, we're definitely into like the late 80s early 90s neon era because we have more day glow later on yeah and uh, stacy's in a funky new york sweatshirt of course um marianne is in one of dawn's baggy t-shirts and claudia is wearing a day glow striped top and skin tight knit pants which i assume means legging i am assuming it's like yeah jersey material rather than like w- woolly <laughs> my granny knit me these kind of, well, her granny didn't, didn't, didn't knit them for her but like yeah they, they have a charm in them it makes you look like a huge weirdo <laughs> uh, Karen in this book in your considered opinion is everybody terrible no sorry that's just a gut reaction I'm like trying to go through is anyone terrible? Whoever threw the pickle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a waste of a good pickle. Pretty disgusting. Um, yeah, it's not going to be nice by the time it lands. That's probably the worst person in, in all of this. Yeah. Everyone behaves pretty well. Everyone is unusually relatable in this. Um, because, like, everyone's just doing their usual thing. Um, her, Even her family are just, like, they're just getting on with their lives and um, being good at stuff that they're good at, which happens to, like, really upset Claudia at yeah. this point in time. Yeah, um, yeah. like, Claudia's overreacting in a relatable way. Her parents are unusually helpful when they find out what the problem is. Stacy is unusually helpful when she finds out what the problem is. Yeah. Minor terrible points for the person at the bakery who spelled Janine's name wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. That person probably, like needs a good long list of very commonly spelled <laughs> names or a gentle reminder to check what the spellings of things are. Um, but as if you follow Kate Rex, you will know that this is really common. Um, uh, <laughs> um, Dawn should not be making judgments about developmental achievements of two-year-olds. She, she isn't qualified. Especially because she doesn't know anything about yes. what is typical because she's basing this on the feckin' purposes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really struggling to find anybody who's not like being completely fine. No, they're all grand. Yeah. 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 Everyone's mm. grand. This is the most grand everyone's been in a long time, I think. Yeah. This definitely that's probably partly why this is one of the most enjoyable of the books we've mm. I've, I've read in a while. Like like the storyline wasn't nothing. There was a really believable sort of emotional journey for Claudia. Yeah. And everyone was like a reasonable person doing their best, and no one was terrible. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was an enjoyable read. Although I kind of love when everyone is terrible, but um, <laughs> I was yeah, I was also enjoying everyone just being sound in this one. There are fun books where everyone is terrible, and there are like good fun books when everybody is reasonable, and uh, there are a lot of options. That's in true. between, some of which are really unfun books. Yeah. <laughs> Where everyone is being great, but actually the content is so bad. 
I dreamed last night that we sat down to record this episode and we couldn't because we were part of a bigger friends group who all gathered around to with us to record the episode and then there was a huge fight and everyone had a big fight and we had to leave and I was like this is so meta we can't record our babysitters club episode because everyone's having a huge babysitters club style fight (laughs) I love it I'm really glad we don't do that yeah that sounds very stressful (laughs) we don't have a huge friends group that has big fights yay we do have twitter which allows us to potentially have that arise but touch wood it hasn't yet twitter is fine because the people who have fights are people that i don't personally care about yes exactly it's fine oh that feels like famous last words but okay we don't have big podcast fights no we don't we, we try to spark them off occasionally but we seem to just i mean just wait till john Boyne listens to this podcast okay <laughs> i'm sure he'll get around to it any day <laughs> he will not be pleased he'll be fighting us like we were the auschwitz museum oh my god speaking of social media beef hit us up on the social in a ideally non-beefy manner Uh, we're on Twitter as a podcast Dawn we're on Facebook Tumblr and Instagram as the podcast at Dawn's House you can send us an email at the podcast at Dawn's House at gmail.com follow rate and review in your podcast apps and tell all your friends about us uh, because we love to get new listeners and it makes us feel special just like so many Janines getting so many science awards. <laughs> <laughs> Our next book is going to be number 34, Marianne and Too Many Boys. Ooh. I have not read that, but that sounds very exciting and drama filled. In conclusion, always remember that the Perkins kids are not a useful point of comparison for anything. And please do not let your kids harass your neighbours with long, long songs and dances. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, this is that's a derail. <laughs> I, it feels vaguely problematic to me in ways I can't put my finger on. I think it is problematic. <laughs> well, I said it anyway, says Karen. <laughs> I did. I, I rely on Esther to remove stuff like this. <laughs> yes, it's all going in my big folder of cancellation material. <laughs> Speaking of genealogy in the time capsule part of the uh, census, I specifically wrote in what we're planning to call the baby and the fact that he's going to be born in Dublin. Uh, Are these likely (laughs) to be living in Dublin for the next census? It's so smart. Nice. So that if anyone's following that up, they've got that breadcrumb right there. (laughs) You left a trail. I love it. Sophia put a note in saying... If you have to study our time for your history class, please remember that memes are not accurate. I love it. Oh my God, that's so responsible. I know. Good for Sophia. (laughs) 
they'd probably be like, what are memes? We lost all your digital content, all of it. <laughs> oh yeah. The only memes we have left are the ones that like granny's printed out and that are that wound up stuck in books for <laughs> as bookmarks for no reason. I think she's she's worried that they'll have to study memes for school and that so much knowledge will have been lost that people will think it's a literal representation of like culture <laughs> and existence. All boyfriends were constantly distracted. <laughs> now I'm just thinking of the meme with the the is this a pigeon meme with like is this culture? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. The answer is yes. It is anyway. So yeah, her 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 important message to the future was to warn them about memes. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's brilliant. 